It takes a lot of practice to sound this good. And I mean this good. I'm joking. Today we have a fabulous guest who's going to be talking to us about voiceover work and the importance of inflection and tone and speed, light and shade of the voice. It's something that's fascinated me for a very long time and she joins us from overseas. She's got the most incredible name. It's Jenny Erickson. She's making conversations about voiceover count. What's new with you, Wendy Wu? I love this little bit of sharing what I've been up to. And recently I went to the Love Biz Ladies Awards. It's an event that's usually held in October every year. And the lovely Sue Crooks has had to reorganise it three times because of a pandemic. It was fabulous to spend an evening with my daughter, who works on the show in the background. And there were 55 ladies all in their bling. It was a noise to be reckoned with. But it was fabulous because I was able to witness the winner of a panel that I had been privileged to judge. It was an emotional evening and I cleaned up on the raffle. We've got a new review too and it's from our regular Wolfie. Here's what she has to say about the Graham Nash episode. A wonderful and insightful conversation, Wendy. Graham's integrity is defined by overcoming adversity and making the right choice. Family will always come first. A dinosaur, doctor and Disney make this a memorable podcast to listen to. Gosh, Wolfie, we couldn't agree more with you. So come on, Jenny, where are you in the world today and why? The obvious answer is that I'm married to a Norwegian. So as soon as I say that, people go, I get why you're there. But actually, it's not why I'm I'm here. Actually, it was a little bit of parental stuff, actually. our Both our children, because my husband is Norwegian, have dual nationality. And as it happened, our son wanted to study in the U.S., And Norway is a particularly good country in helping students to be able to do that. They have a a wonderful loan system, a loan program, but you have to actually live here. So our son had to live and to study here for a certain period of time before he was eligible for that. So we were a little bit strategic. We moved back actually for him and he took all the appropriate tests and lived here and everything. And that facilitated him going to study in Michigan. So that was the reason we did it. (laughs) 10 points to Norway for having the sort of system that encourages international education. What they hope is that you'll learn lots of good stuff abroad and, of course, bring it back to Norway to to implement it. So it's a good strategy, but it certainly supports students who want to take a different route in terms of studying. And of course, if you study here in Norway, it's free. Gosh, there'll be a rush at the visa office, I'm sure. Absolutely. (laughs) So you're based in Norway. You're from the UK originally. I alluded to your company name, which is Lovely Voice. How has your business changed? So tell everybody a little bit about what you do and how you help people. 
and what being in Norway has meant. My husband and I have always championed small businesses. That's the essence of what we do. And that, as you and I met at networking, that's where I first started my networking almost 20 years ago. Lovely Voice was actually born out of, we actually lived in Tenerife for a a while and we moved. We'd actually had a small business magazine that covered Essex and Hertfordshire and it was 9,000 circulation. So we extended our passion, if you like, for championing small businesses into actually creating a magazine, which we were super, super proud of. And it actually did what we wanted it to do. We created powerful messaging that meant that people had adverts that made people want to connect with them and and use their services. But we literally did the whole thing ourselves. We created everything, all the adverts, and we walked the magazine around to all 9,000 households. And because it actually did what it said on the tin, we'd get advertisers say, I don't need to advertise this month with you because I've got X amount of new clients or I'm only a one man band hairdresser and I'm maxed out and I don't need to advertise. So we were literally on a hamster wheel of always just putting this magazine out there, coming back, having a cup of tea, starting again, finding new advertisers. And it, it just became too much. And with growing children, we just, if, if you want to call it burnout, if you like, but really and truly, we were completely spent. So we decided to move to Tenerife. Sounds like you were a victim of your own success, though. And I get that because I can do some projects myself and put a time limit of, you know, it should be a three month campaign or something. And it can end in eight or nine weeks. And because you've got the results that you need already. So I'd say that as a positive thing, really, that led you. What, to to Tenerife next? To Tenerife, yes. It was a positive thing. What the magazine at the time, you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing when you think about it really and truly. We, it would have been great to work with people that saw what they did and wanted to replicate and grow their staff. But, you know, really and truly, it served that one man band. We had, for example, a window cleaner that had a particular washing system. You know, it was, it was super duper and stuff. So he did posh window cleaning, if you like. But there was only him. He didn't want to expand. He didn't want a team. The advert worked and he was looking at working on several houses every single day of the week. When people are just one person and you max them out, they don't have capacity for any more. So really and truly, we needed to draw the attention of people that wanted to grow their businesses, if, if you like. So, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. But yes, we went to Tenerife because we thought that was a good idea. We went on a bit of an adventure. My husband did some consultancy and I ended up teaching at the local theatre school, which my daughter was part of. So that kind of drew on my performing arts background because I used to love amateur theatre, amateur dramatics. And so I had the opportunity to teach the children and prepare them for their Lambda exams, which is the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts. And that's really where the voiceover work started because I was working with the children in terms of words and intonation, the light and shade of things, and then had the opportunity to record for somebody. And the beauty of voiceover work is that technology is such that we don't have to be, you know, in a studio as such, as long as we can replicate a studio quality sound, you can be anywhere in the world. And in fact, I've narrated for over 60 countries, people that I've never had the opportunity to meet, but nevertheless can produce something for somebody in Singapore as much as I can in Coventry. 
It is incredible how technology connects the whole world, the parts of it that are able to connect, obviously. What sort of voiceover work do you do, Jenny? I mean, is there a specific sort of client that comes to you? Do you attract similar sorts of businesses or can it be absolutely anything from any kind of diverse field? Voiceover, it's it's one of those things when we talk about niching, voiceover is is very much played to your strengths. So if you kind of hear my voice, my voice is obviously a midlife lady. It's got a certain amount of gravitas, if you like. It's got a warm tonality. So my voice lends itself very well, if you like, to things like e-learning. Or if I play characters, invariably I'm mum or doctor or office manager or something like that. So we're not one size fits all unless you're super clever and can replicate lots of different sounds. We tend to work within our field of expertise. So something that's kind of, you know, YouTube, 10 things about the Kardashians. Clearly, I I don't have the voice for that. If you want authority or, um, as I say, warmth, then my voice lends itself very much to that. So predominantly, most of my work is actually e-learning because I've got that kind of command, if you like, in my voice and the warmth and the assurance. And I actually narrate for a a very big company in Denmark, actually a pharmaceutical company. And that was something they very much wanted, that they wanted their staff to understand instruction, but not be, if you liked, talked at, rather included in the conversation. Because obviously when you're dealing with something that's you know fine tuning in terms of you know pharmaceuticals that you know they have to be careful of staff but also the end user has to have a product that is absolutely safe to use they wanted somebody that had warmth and the gravitas if you like at the same time that kind of brings together the training program so for example i will send them some modules and then it's kind of a rinse and repeat thing they say hey you know we've got you know another few chapters to do would you do the same as usual that's actually a big compliment when somebody says that hey you know we're trusting you with this and can you do the same as usual it's like they're saying to you, you know we love what you do we trust what you do and we're leaving it in your hands to to do what you do well so you've clearly found your style of delivery that works for them, that they're happy with. I think what you're saying is right. There's a certain sort of tonality that we kind of pick our ears up to and we want to listen greater. If it's got a hint of intimidation in it, for example, you you would probably sort of back off. Your mind could potentially start to wander. And if you're learning, you've got to hold people's attention, haven't you, as well, which is another key trick. So not only has it got to be very carefully scripted, but the way that you deliver those words has got to be in such a way that you keep them and they get to the end. It's interesting because people think a two minute narration will take you two minutes. It doesn't take you two minutes. It's so much more than that. You know, one of the gripes, if you like, in the voiceover industry is that people will say, hey, I've got this project and they're charging X amount of money. And, and, you know, a lot of maybe perhaps the old school will say, gosh, that's really insulting. That's a very low amount of money. And there are people that will lowball you because technology is such you know, when we think in terms of AI voice, how wonderful that now sounds and how going forward that's going to sound even better. But, you know, there are genuinely people that don't realize the process that goes into it, that when they send you a script, a two minute script, it's going to take you longer. You're going to look at that script. You're going to see where the light and shade is. You know, we have to add things to the script. You know, where where are we going to focus on a particular word? Where are we going to maybe speed up a little bit? Where does the script change? You know, sometimes I'll look at a script 
and the first part of it, maybe it's, it's a little bit doom and gloom. You know, we're setting the scene. Things are not perhaps so great. And then there's a turning point in the script where we're offering hope to the listener. And maybe that goes with an explainer video, too. So all that has to be worked out before you even step into the studio. And then, of course, you're going to make bloopers. You'll listen to yourself and think, no, I didn't really nail that line. That's not really how I want it to sound. And then obviously you've got the cleaning and the processing. You know, you want to send something that's of tip top quality to people. You don't want any uh, ums and ahs and noise in there. And all that takes time. And then maybe there are other things that a client might need too. They might need a music bed. They might need that narration to be synced to a video so that what you're saying comes at a certain point in a video. And all that takes time, certainly longer than perhaps the two minutes that somebody thinks of initially. I agree, Jenny. I mean, it's like anything. You might be paying for something today that you only perceive as taking this long, but would take years of learning and honing that craft. And I don't think we ever stop learning our craft, do we? There's always going to be times when I know certainly I can look back at something and go, oh, I would do that a little bit differently now. And it's that hindsight, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, I listen back to the early days and I sometimes sometimes think I'd like to give the client their money back because I thought I was doing everything I felt I should then, you know, in terms of quality. But I feel I've moved on, you know, such a long way since I, I first started. And, and I listen and I think, no, I would sometimes I think, no, I, that's how I would do it. And other times I think, no, I would maybe change that around a little bit. So yes, you're right. You're always a work in progress and there's always stuff to be learned for sure. In terms of voiceover work, I know that there's lots of different types of it for advertising. There's different mediums now. We can literally pick up sound media anywhere. You know, you've got podcasting, you've got YouTube, and you've got people's websites. It's such a rich medium to be involved in. If you could pick one area that you perhaps have a burning desire to get involved in, what would that be? Well, I, as I say, I, I normally play to my strengths. And so that's normally e-learning. Actually, meditation is something I, I actually narrate. I've actually created some meditation tracks too, but I got the opportunity the other day of actually playing, I, I can't divulge too much. I'm actually playing an evil character in an online game. I don't know how they'd heard it, but this I, I've, I've actually got a demo reel that's actually got characters on it. And somebody reached out to me and just said, you know, could you be our, our evil character? So, <laughs> again, that's that, that alludes to what I was saying earlier. The first time I did the first rounds of all the lines and I sent them and they just said, could you sound meaner? So I had to literally almost put myself in a bad mood. Well, in fact, I did put myself in a bad mood because the character really had to be very evil. You know, she was literally slaying people all over the place and they wanted some, could I do some sounds where I was being stabbed and also could I do some sounds where I was dying? So <laughs> they love it. They, I had an email this morning. They love what I sent. So this, you know, the first time around, you know, wasn't so great. Second time around. Yeah, more, please. That would be cool. I'd love to do more of that. <laughs> imagine how I would sound dying I'd have to do some research on that and maybe my my browser history would be a little bit questionable <laughs> it's that kind of challenge isn't it that puts you into sort of research mode and gives you yet another layer I think of diversity to be able to go yeah I can do that even if it is a challenge and it takes a few goes at it 
you'll be super proud because you pushed yourself outside. There are times when you're going to look at a brief and think that that just isn't me. And that's where I think community comes into anything that we do. For example, I live in Norway and I get a lot of people saying, could you do this Norwegian script? No, I can't because I would sound like a Brit narrating in Norwegian. I wouldn't sound authentic. So I would rather when I get requests that I I don't think are in my wheelhouse, I'd rather reach out to somebody in the community and say, hey, younger person or male or somebody that does something different. This is not for me. How about, you know, can I pass this on to you? We get scared. So many people get scared, whatever industry that they're in, that somebody appears in the same room that does what they perceive is the same as them. And we get you know, very intimidated by people. But actually, when you reach out to other people, I've had people that have done projects with me. So, for example, a, a guy called Scott that I, I do work with, he's my, he's my guy. And he does lots of different voices. And when we're doing perhaps kids stories or something, he's my go to guy. Or if somebody needs a guy and doesn't need a female, well, then I'm going to send that project to him. Or if I need somebody that needs to do some more character voices or indeed my daughter, when she's actually home, does amazing character voices. And so often I get a request for her and people say, is Pia back? And from university. And of course, no, she is. <laughs> well, I do. No, no. <laughs> It's that what goes around comes around as well, isn't it? In your field or, or other fields or just in, in general. You're better off having a virtual coffee with somebody or a one-to-one and getting to know them better. And I choose to believe in community over competition because even you know, when you and I go to networking meetings and, and we hear people talk, if somebody does do the same as you or what you perceive is the same as you, one person and you need their services or you know somebody that needs their services, one person will resonate better with you. It'll be their messaging. It'll be their je ne sais quoi. It'll be their vibe. It'll be something. And I can audition and for a part and, and somebody else can do the same. And I can listen to my audition and think that I've nailed it. And that's that's great. I couldn't do it any better. They just might prefer the other person's voice. That's nothing against me. It just means on this occasion, they met the brief. They sound like the character or the, the voiceover that they want. And I, I didn't. So I can't take that personally. You know, we live to fight another day and other things do come up for me that uh, maybe other people have been considered for and I'm, I've been chosen on this particular occasion. That's just the way it goes. If you think like that, you're not setting yourself up for disappointment. And there'll be a queue after listening to today of people saying, Jenny, I want you to be my evil character. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I surprised myself, actually. My husband listened back and was kind of, oh, wow, you, you sound really mean. Oh, yeah, I was, I'm a real baddie. And the death sounds had to be obviously some, I'd got my comeuppance and somebody had obviously done away with me. You know, another interesting part of the job that was, I was going to mention to you, of course, is working with clients overseas as well. That's another thing. I mean, obviously, as I mentioned, I've, I've worked for over 60 different countries, which is a, a huge privilege. But sometimes what somebody, what works perhaps in the German language that gets translated into English doesn't work. So again, it's about that client work and going the back and forth of the client saying, I understand where you're coming from, but in English, that wouldn't, that's not quite a good fit. Sometimes, of course, a very typical thing with clients is that they have a particular thing that they want to say, a, a particular script to go with a video, and the script is far too long. So then you have to be the bearer of bad news and say, I hear what you want to say, but that's just not going to fit. 
And that's true, of course, you know, with, with you and I with, with networking, you know, typically we need to think that about 150 words is a minute. That's what I tend to base my voice over on is, is that 150 words in a minute. So when people go to, for example, networking meetings and they're trying to cram 170, 80, 90 words into a minute, you, you can, of course. Mr. Genius comes to mind. <laughs> if you want your message to land and resonate and permeate and for people to hear it and, and for it to be absorbed, then 150 words a minute is a, is a good speed. When we have newsreaders, they read slightly more quickly, about 180 words a minute. And the reason they do that is because we don't need every word. We hear those words, Brexit, Boris, viruses, what's happening in the world. Which are but, the key words. Exactly. Oversaturating your space. Exactly. But it, we have to look to see if the words fit the, the video and also sometimes, as I mentioned to you earlier, there are some parts you're going to narrate more slowly than others because you really want to emphasize certain points or maybe you're narrating in a particular mood before you switch to a more hopeful mood. And there the voice would be more upbeat, would be more, would be quicker. As I say, that's true with English speaking clients, but also with international clients where you're having to say that doesn't fit, that doesn't work because obviously all languages are different in terms of word count. I was talking to a good associate of mine last week and he speaks Mandarin and he's looking to go overseas and uh, spend some time working at a university and he's looking to sort of get himself from a grade four to a grade seven. Clive, I do hope I remembered that technically right because I know (laughs) how particular he is. But it was certainly something that he was sort of saying, you know, that he will be in a better place to be able to translate things, having understood the culture and the language. But to translate it back into English can be a challenge because it's not exactly word for word. And much the same as you mentioning like 150 words per minute and you having to change around the wording for a video. I was sent a video and asked to just give some feedback from a sales and marketing point of view. And it was about 15 or 20 minutes long, but it was very much from the sellers, you know, I'm selling to you. It was from their perspective. So I gave my feedback and just sort of said, look, I'm confused. I don't know what it is that you're actually trying to tell me. This might work if you've got a two-way conversation going on, but you've not got somebody coming back to you. So you've got to think about what that journey is, you know, that attention, interest, desire, and outcome that you want so that you keep people engaged right the way to the end. So so in actual fact, Jenny, what you're doing is you're not just delivering a great voiceover, but you're kind of allowing the structure to flow. Exactly. And you have to keep people's attention. That's really important. That goes back to, uh, as I was mentioning with the, the pharmaceutical company, the, the object of the e-learning narration is to train people, but to keep their attention. So you have to you know, each script, if you like, is a journey. So if I get different scripts to do throughout the day, I have to look at each one and see what each individual need is and what we're trying to achieve. And and to be able to have good communication with the client. So you've got some back and forth. And now I like to, wherever I possibly can, you know, give some input and just say, you know, how about this or what about that? And most people say, oh, yes, gosh, that's great. Because they, of course, want the end product to, to do what it's supposed to do. Because there is such a boom now in webinars and on demand learning, if you like. Do you 
give coaching or feedback to people who've created content to say, how do you see this? Is this going to be engaging enough? Am I saying the right thing in the right place? Are you able to help people in that kind of field who have maybe not not really pushing their content because they're not quite sure if it's hitting the mark or not? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, that's definitely something that I do. So I work actually together with my husband who he's created a a virtual event management system. So we work with a lot of people that put on webinars and seminars and, and, and such. So we'll often get people come to us and say, I've had the opportunity to be, for example, on a podcast or a webinar, and I want to be able to be engaging. So I'd like to be asked, you know, I'd, I'd like to be a good podcast guest, or I'd like to speak on a, on a webinar because there is the opportunity to maybe, you know, give an offer to, you know, what I'm selling or be asked back again. But how do I do that? So I very much sit down with clients and we look at, you know, what they're saying and scope out something that that really works so that they've got you know interesting information and you know genuinely are good to listen to so yeah for sure it's really bringing the words on on the paper to life and it is performance you know what we do is performance we are if you like selling ourselves or whatever we do and we go to networking meetings or we do facebook lives we are selling ourselves we are wanting people to be interested in what we have to say so there is a degree of performance in it and that might make people say well that's not very genuine you know i want to be myself of course you do but at the end of the day we want to convey what we want to say and there's a lot to to be said for looking at the ebb and flow of what you're saying and Often, as I mentioned before, we get, I call them word vomiters, people that speak 900 miles an hour at us because they want to give what we think is perceived value. They have so much to tell us that they tell us so quickly that we lose the information and less is actually more. You're actually better off saying less and piquing somebody's interest to have a further conversation than to word vomit all over them. And people just feel they don't know what to do with the information. And the chances are they probably switched off partway through anyway. So if you were to say to the people in the room, you know, what does Mary do? Most people go, oh, I don't really know, because most people just feel it was just too much information. As I say, we are geared to want to provide good value, but often good value is actually giving less so that people have the opportunity to take on board your message and to listen to what it is you have to say. I want to ask you about that one conversation that created a turning point for you and what happened next. Wow. I can think of lots of pivotal conversations, as I've mentioned before. Part of the reason I enjoyed so much being a voiceover person was because you get to sit in a small dark room talking to yourself. And actually one of the reasons we moved to Tenerife before we we moved here to Norway was actually the magazine really challenged us. And I actually had a neurological problem that started in one side of my face. So basically before we, we left Tenerife, I had something called a hemifacial spasm. So half of my face started to misbehave. I couldn't smile properly. I couldn't open my eye properly. It was really, really debilitating. And at the time, the only treatment for it, strangely enough, was actually to have an operation, which it wasn't recommended at that time, or to actually have Botox. So whilst people say, you know, Botox is that thing that people use to make themselves look good. Indeed, Botox actually does have a purpose in terms of helping people with 
hemifacial spasm or people that have maybe dystonia or excessive sweating or whatever. It actually has a medicinal good serious side to it. Yeah, absolutely. So that was the route I took when we went to Tenerife and that was something I could have there. But we talk so much in terms of face to face. We talk so much in, oh, you know, smile or whatever. When you can't do those things that people take for granted, your confidence just takes a nosedive. So working with the kids was a great outlet, although, you know, children do tend to say exactly what they mean. So I've had a a few tricky conversations with children. Why does your face do that? Why doesn't your face do that? So conversations, I think the pivotal conversation was when we came here to Norway, I said to my husband, I don't think I can continue like this. I know that we've moved on in terms of technology and I know the operation is available and I know it's, I know it's available here in Norway and you know it's not without risk. There is a possibility to damage your eyesight or your hearing or even to make the situation worse. You get to the point where you think I'd rather do that and try than not try at all. So that I guess the pivotal conversation for us was, shall I go for it? And to cut a very long story short, I did go for it. And five years ago, actually, this year, I had the operation. And when I had it, there are varying degrees of success. Some people are better overnight. Some people will never get better. Some people have two, three operations. And it literally is brain surgery. What it is, it's what causes the hemifacial spasm is two nerves in your brain that are, they've lost something called the myelin sheath. So two nerves are hitting each other. And that's what causes your face to contort. So if you can think of something like Bell's palsy, where your face drops and contorts, that's exactly as it is. And what they do is actually put Teflon in your head. So literally, I do have a frying pan in my head. They put Teflon in between the nerves. That has to be brain surgery. So they have to go in, you know, into your brain area. And uh, six weeks of recovery, I was about 80% better, for which I was very, very grateful. And then in the fullness of time, I then became as I am today. So pretty much sort of 95, 97% better. But that's not quite the happy ever after, because when you haven't done something for a long time, you have to learn all over again. It's like when people have accidents and they have to learn to walk again. I had no idea how to smile. People do these the, the smile thing. I had no idea how to naturally smile. I'd learned all these different techniques on how to prop my face open, you know, how to keep my eye open, how to pull my mouth down so it didn't look like you know, it wasn't scaring people, so to speak. So I literally had to start all over again. And the reason I now can work online with people as you know, you and I meet, because I learned how to smile and I learned how to be confident in myself. So I hope when I work with clients in terms of their messaging, that that gives them the confidence to try because it is possible with little steps along the way with momentum, we can learn to be confident online. So yeah, the pivotal conversation was that one, shall I go for it? And, and I did. It's that would you rather, isn't it? If the choice is this or this, you've got to be prepared to take the risk. Yeah. Either way, haven't you, of doing it or not doing it. It's interesting because we watched over the weekend and I actually stayed up late to finish watching it. I thought I'd just put it on and see what it was like. And it's actually based on a true story. It's what we call a boats film in our house. You know, can we watch a boats film? And it was called Brain on Fire a 21-year-old that literally her brain just stopped. 
things were not connecting and she wasn't remembering things. She was acting out and different things were happening to her. And it was just that one side of her brain had stopped working and it took a lot of effort and, and it took a lot of investigation to identify and diagnose. But now this, you know, it's like lots of things. She's gone on as a journalist to support that particular illness that affects very few people. And it's much the same in lots of what we do, isn't it? Is that we go and we take it from a point of personal experience because it's what matters most to us. We know it's going to matter to others. Exactly. And this certainly gives me a good basis to help other people, because even now, even five years down the line, if somebody were to make me really laugh out loud, my automatic go to would be to put my hand in front of my face. It's it's still a response that's there. I don't need to, but my brain still does that it's you know it's still it's protection mode the habit haven't you yeah exactly so when people say they don't feel very confident about this and I, I get it I truly do and we all have our own journey so this is not a comparison that you know having brain surgery is worse than having this and that we all have our own journey and we all have our own foibles and stuff it's about a conversation with somebody so with clients it's invariably if i speak to somebody about their messaging 99.9% of the time it isn't about their messaging it's about how they feel you have to go backwards about how they feel in terms of being online and and, and zoom and then looking at their message because invariably there is something else before that, that is making them not feel congruent with their messaging, so to speak. And when you feel confident and when you have a message that you feel confident with, that vibe, as we spoke about earlier, that comes out and, and you look at people and they become expansive in the Zoom window and they become animated and there's there's something about them. They just become instantly appealing So whether or not, you know, we want their service or we're looking obviously to help people, but there is just something about them that we enjoy listening to them because everything is in alignment, you know, their message, their body language, everything, and they're expansive and it just becomes, you know, compelling to listen to. Whilst we might be constricted to to Zoom and and online working, we can still pack a powerful punch, can't we, Jenny? For sure. And we've obviously had to deal with some things in in the world in the last 18 months. And that's, you know, a global interrupt, if you like. But we have an amazing opportunity to connect with people all over the world now. If if you have Zoom fatigue, well, then you need to address why you have Zoom fatigue. But to not use Zoom to connect with people in different places when there are millions and millions of people that if you're a service provider, you could connect with and work with. So, you know, I work with people not being scared to press the button and and talk about what they do. Yeah. Well, I've put quite a few pins in the map, but certainly I haven't put 60 pins. So I've got some catching up to do. (laughs) (laughs) Jenny, it's been an absolute delight and an incredible journey that you've been on to get to where you are today, helping people bringing that little voice up a little in volume. It's been an absolute pleasure to have met you and to be able to invite you onto the show today. We like to carry on the conversation. So I know that you're going to get us a letter to listeners for the website, but if people want to carry on today after listening, what's the best place for them to find you? You can find me at lovelyvoice.com. And the reason it's lovely voice is because I couldn't think what to call my company. And years ago, somebody said to me, oh, you do have a lovely voice. So it's lovelyvoice.com. 
there you have it. Some real great tips from Jenny on how you can improve your voiceover work. Whether you apply that to your networking meetings and your introductions to creating video online to share for your customers to find you. It's really a good idea to do your research and to practice your voiceover work for yourself. And of course, if you don't want to do it yourself, just get in touch with Jenny. I'm sure she'll be happy to do it for you. Now then, I've also had some feedback from Eric in Barry. He's had a copy of my book and he pointed out that one of the great tips for him was on page 46. And it was where I'm saying, what's the reason for you to want to speak to somebody that you've never spoken to before? And he's highlighted this sentence. Please do not expect someone to be prime and ready to purchase from you on your first call. Gosh, it's one of the greatest ways to overcome that mindset of speaking to somebody and starting a relationship. So we can head over to the website and pick up the letter to listeners from Jenny. And you can also leave a review for us there too. Don't forget to grab a copy of my book on Amazon. And I think I've still got a deal on the Kindle price for you. Until next time, where we're going to be joined by the fandabulous, the spectacular Stella de Silva. Sometimes we are also the product of our own upbringing. We are the product of the way our parents have brought us up to have that self-belief, to have that motivation. Oh, 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 oh,